I've had conversations with you. I've had conversations with dozens of entrepreneurs that are friends or clients or former clients about this feeling of like, I'm not doing it right. I, I don't feel that freedom. I don't feel, I don't feel liberated by my business. I feel more trapped in a business. And, you know, I think, I think the problem for most entrepreneurs out there who are building businesses is that this conversation rarely happens and it doesn't feel like a safe conversation. It feels very vulnerable and it feels like exposure to say, Hey, I have this business and I'm making money, but I'm not happy. You are listening to the not for lazy marketers podcast, episode number 425. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I have a treat today. I'm so excited for this. I've brought on one of my best friends, amazing mentor, the first coach I ever hired in my business, and just absolutely incredible human entrepreneur, all the things, Alex Sharfin, to the podcast. And I've talked about him probably like at least 12, 15 times on here, like full stories about conversations we've had. He's one of the reasons I moved to Austin and then we started hanging out more and he's changed my life, changed my business and uh, so much of what I've built is because of his support and guidance over the last, I think we've known each other four or five years. So welcome, Alex. I'm so excited for this interview. Same here, Emily. I, you know, I was just thinking like we really have never done anything like this before and so I'm really excited about it and I feel the same way about you. Thank you for your friendship and for your help and for, you know, I, I feel like our relationship is very much two ways and I've learned a tremendous amount from you, which I think maybe somebody who's a lot older has a hard time admitting that, but there has been so much just in watching how you work and how you run your business and how you hold your boundaries and, and so much more that has been inspiring for me. So that, Yay, that'll thank probably you. come up. Yeah, so I want you to give an intro, like, you know, a short intro of who you are, but I do want to mention how we met really fast on here because I think it's a cool story. I'll sh like share my side too. I don't know if I've actually shared, I probably have, but I went to an event. It was like four, five years ago because my second was a baby. I went to the event with like a six week old baby and I brought the baby into the event and I was at this mastermind and I oftentimes, I'm very hesitant about who I take advice from, who I take information in from. And I remember seeing Alex and Katie, your wife, and going, they're the real deal. Like they are the ones in this room that I would actually take advice from. And so we met at the event and then found out that my husband had met you a year before and heard you talk and like, went up to you afterwards and was like, my wife would love you and bought your book. And it was like this weird thing because then you ended up in the room. And so from then, that's how we met. And then from there, we went out to dinner and I joined your program. But I would love for you to just share, you do so many amazing things, but who you are and, and how you serve other entrepreneurs. Uh, so that's, it's a big question. So, um, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I'm 49 years old now. And so when I look at it, I've really been in entrepreneurship for over 30 years. And for a huge percentage of that time, I've been in a consultative or coaching um, or supportive role to entrepreneurs. And I think if I have to boil down what I do is it's, it's helping visionary entrepreneurs who have really extraordinary ideas that, that they are on a mission to have in the world with being heard, being seen, 
um, being understood by their teams and then putting the right process and structure in place so that they can stay a visionary and still have all the execution around them and removing the pressure of that execution so that because as visionaries, you know, this Emily, you know, I, well, you're unique. You can you can actually play both roles. But in the times that we've worked together where you're in that true visionary role, that's where you go out and change people's lives and make the, these incredible programs and the incredible systems and structure and process that you have. And it's really, for me, if I can help visionaries elevate to that place of vision, most of the time, you know, I think one of the biggest struggles in the entrepreneurial world is we go into entrepreneurship to buy ourselves freedom and we end up 80% of the time or more in logistics mm -hmm. and in details and in things that really most of us aren't good at. You're, you are a unique example of somebody who's, who's good at both, but even then, if we can even get you out of those things that you're good at, and for anybody else, if we can flip that to where it's 80% in the visionary role, 20% in the logistics and the processes, that's where companies explode. You know, and in my experience, I have a different view of companies. In my experience, the more pressure you can take off a visionary, the more the company grows. And the more support a visionary feels, the more protection they feel, the more that vision actually comes out and, and develops and is becomes more real and can really like make the change that I, that entrepreneur wants. Yeah. And I mean, Alex's support for me has been pivotal since the moment I start went from, okay, I can't do any of this myself anymore. Like I've hit that cap, which was about five years ago. And in that same breath, I have no idea what I'm doing and what to do next. And that's like, thankfully I found you and was able to get that support. But I've also watched you do this with so many other entrepreneurs and Alex is also the first one I call when when things are not good or when I'm freaking out about something or I need advice. And I shared on the podcast, I think you listened to it, but last year I shared the episode about like last summer and the really difficult time my business went into. And on that episode, I said I called a friend. Well, that friend was Alex Sharfin that I called <laughs> from Colorado and was like the first person because for me during that time, I didn't tell anybody what was happening because it made it more real, but it was like, it was already real and I should have just reached out for help and, and talked about it. But you were the first person I called and, you know, helped me feel so much better instantly from that. So what I want to like talk about today is a lot of business owners do that for you. Like I know a lot of people call Alex Sharfin when they need help. And so you have such great perspective and we were just talking about before we hit record, like a lot of this is happening a lot right now for for entrepreneurs, CEOs or it's a rough time. People are burnt out and, and it's like it feels like you have to work 10 times harder for what you used to have to work for. You know, at least for me, five years ago, it was like it was so much easier than it is right now. And so let's talk about that and kind of like your insight. And we can talk about when I called you, you, you told me to go do an exercise. I don't know if you remember. It was like, go okay. do this right now and then call me back. And I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's such a unique time right now. I think there's a lot of things that are that are creating the uniqueness in history that we're in right now. You know, I think for a lot of people, um, the COVID period of like being being first shut down and then not being able to travel and not being able to do the things that we normally did for entrepreneurs. I think a lot of entrepreneurs had time that they never had before and um, started considering what's really going on for them. And I think, you know, when you look at what the reason we go into entrepreneurship, the spoken reason is freedom. And then as entrepreneurs, we tend to create these treadmills of our own making. 
You know, it's like, I want freedom. And so I'm going from a, a nine to five or from that option to entrepreneurship, but it ends up being a, you know, seven 30 in the morning till 10 30 at night. And I think for a lot of people that became very real. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you, I, you, I've had conversations with you. I've had conversations with dozens, dozens of entrepreneurs that are friends or, or clients or former clients about this feeling of like, it's, I'm not doing it right. I, I don't feel that freedom. I don't feel, yeah. I don't feel liberated by my business. I feel more trapped in a business. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think the problem for most entrepreneurs out there who are building businesses is that this conversation rarely happens. And it doesn't feel like a safe conversation. It feels very vulnerable and it feels like exposure to say, hey, I have this business and I'm making money, but I'm not happy. Yeah. And, and as entrepreneurs, I think a lot of the times we tell ourselves like, oh, well, we don't need to be happy. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. But I think COVID in so many ways, and I, and I want to make sure I preface this by saying, I know COVID was so real for so many people and people have lost people. And I don't want to say like, hey, it was overall positive, net positive. But I also think any transition, any period of struggle, any period of, of challenge, we need to look at like, what's the gift in this? Yeah. And I think that the gift in the past few years is that so many entrepreneurs really have stepped in and said, okay, I'm uncomfortable and I'm going to own my discomfort and say, like, how do I do this different? How do I get off of this never ending seeming treadmill where I feel like I have to make everything happen all the time and I think that's a huge gift because when visionaries, you know, I, I was asked yesterday or a day before by my really close friend, Chris DeFay, who's over here visiting from New Zealand. We actually spent the whole day yesterday, just like playing like kids and, and went and did a whole bunch of fun stuff. But, um, Chris asked me, uh, you know, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges in the entrepreneurial world? And I think one of the biggest issues is that, as entrepreneurs, when we have a business that's successful and we're called on to speak or share or talk, we talk about the success, but rarely are we given an audience where we can say, Hey, like it's always broken. Yeah. It never feels a hundred percent right. And sometimes when I'm in a, a mastermind, I'll see somebody up on stage and what they're saying is how great and how wonderful and how amazing everything is. But I've been around so long that in my body, I can feel, Oh man, this person's struggling so much right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're on stage yeah. as the example and they're trying to do everything they can to be that example. But man, I can, I can feel the psychic pain that entrepreneurs go through when we can't talk about this stuff. And yeah. when we don't have the real conversations about just how hard it is what we do. Yeah. And I think for me, and I think this is true for a lot of entrepreneurs, when we first started, nobody believed we could actually be successful. So we, we were up against that. And so then to go back and have like a bad quarter or a bad year where you are struggling feels like you're admitting that's what I struggled with last year, admitting to those people who were originally like, this is a bad idea. You should go to college. This is too risky. And it's like <laughs> now you're telling them, you know, it felt like you're right. Obviously, you're not. But for me, last year was the first year that was really hard in my business. I feel like from the beginning I started it until then it was just like up so exciting, so fun, like so much growth. I could barely keep up with it. I'd rather solve delivery problems than like sales and marketing problems, honestly. And then last year was like so hard. And I had the very naive perception that once you get to a certain level, like you're going to just keep going up or at least stay there. And so the pressure that I felt like, yes, the all of the, um, you know, my business 
I'm not enjoying it anymore, those things. But for me, that came from the pressure, the the pressure of like breadwinner, payroll. You don't like this. You don't want to get up and do it, but you have to. You have no choice but to do it. And I wasn't telling anybody because that felt like it was going to make it real. So people would ask my parents, how's your business, friends? Oh, it's good. It's good. Everything's good. And it was like terrible <laughs> until I finally called you. <laughs> so... I think that that's also it is like we, we don't want entrepreneurs I had to go against most of their friends and family to even start the business originally. And so then to talk about struggles is really hard for us, even if it's to other entrepreneurs, at least that's what I struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think um, one of one of the most important things to admit as an entrepreneur when you're is when you're uncomfortable and when you look at, and, and for everybody out there, I know everybody who listens to you is either running a business or working in an entrepreneurial business. And I think one of the most important things to understand is that, uh, that this is a really difficult undertaking. And when we don't face where we're uncomfortable, we perpetuate it. And the problem with running a business, and I think anybody who's, who's running a business right now, like just think through this equation. When you first start your business, you do everything. Like Emily, when we met, it's so funny to hear that you're like, oh, everything else felt so great. Because when I met Emily, you know, you were running a million dollar plus business with four contractors doing everything. I mean, I remember the yeah. first time that we ever sat down for a day and looked at your business. I was like, okay, <laughs> how do you do this? <laughs> like, You're no, right. I probably glorified it all, but at least I was making money. <laughs> so. But you know what? I mean, you were, you were making money and you were crushing it and you had this capacity to do so much. And I remember in the first day that we ever got together, I was like, you know, Emily, I want you to just think about something to start this business. You've had to do everything, but what it conditions you to think is that in order to create ongoing success, you must do everything. Yeah. And Chris asked me yesterday, you know, if, if you look at entrepreneurs as they're going through the growth of the business, as they're going up the billionaire code, as they're going through each stage, he's like, what, what general advice do they need? What, what is it that, that gets you from one step to another? And if I had to boil it down to one thing, it's that as you grow your business, you have to let go of more and more. Yeah. And, you know, that process of letting go for an entrepreneur feels like jumping off a cliff every time. You know, it's like, I've been doing all of this right now. And now I have to let somebody else do that and trust that they can do it. And the, the fact is, other than a few business model examples where the entrepreneur just builds support around themselves to do everything in, in almost every business, your growth will be equivalent to your ability to let go and trust people around you. Mm. And as entrepreneurs, you've already kind of indicated it, Emily, but as entrepreneurs, we've been taught with our personality type, we've been taught throughout our lives that we can't trust. Mm -hmm. We've been taught throughout our lives that, um, that the people around us are going to give us advice that we don't really want. We've been taught throughout our lives that when we're vulnerable and transparent, we'll be seen as weak. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why so many people at masterminds get up and they don't share what's really happening. They only share the highlights. You know, there's always two ways to share a story. You can, you can just skip over all the challenging parts and share the highlights, or you can actually go into what you really, what really happened. Right. And so often it feels like exposure and vulnerability and like you shouldn't do that. But the fact of the matter is, is until we realize like, Hey, we are conditioned to do everything. Now's the time to start asking ourselves, where do we let go? And the way that I coach entrepreneurs to do this is 
at the highest place of discomfort is where you need to start really looking. And really, if you're not feeling massive discomfort, then what are you best at and how do you offload that? And whenever I say that to entrepreneurs, I can, you know, I know you've heard this from me before, so you don't have a reaction to it. But most of the time when I share that, I can see a physical reaction. It's like, I'm not going to give up what I'm best at. Like, what do you mean? How could I possibly do that? You know, when I, when I look at myself, like I'm, I think I'm best at coaching, but in order to, to grow any type of a business around coaching, I can't do it all. So I have to give up that, that strength that I have and train other people how to do it. And that's, that really, it's, it's such a important thing to get in touch with both where are you uncomfortable and what are you really good at? Because that's where the leverage is in a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember when you said you have to train people to do what I do. And I was like, well, nobody can do it like I, like I do. And I know I've heard that response at your events. Like that's what most people are like, that sounds great, but I can't, nobody can do what I can do. And you broke that belief. The thing about Alex and I is I'll usually argue with him for about like two hours until he finally convinces me. And then I go do the thing and I'm like, okay, you were right. But it takes a lot for me to listen to somebody. I have to like fully be bought in. So there's been so many conversations where I've told you something and I'm like genuinely so mad at you by, from your response. I'm like, no, Alex, it's not right. And then you're always right. (laughs) And that was me. I went through that, you know, that's where I came up with what was originally the Hirsch process. We changed it into the not for lazy marketers process, but it was because of you saying, you're going to have to offload this. You're going to have to get support. And I was like, no, I can't, nobody can do it. And I was able to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I have a a phrase that I share with entrepreneurs. You're not a unicorn. And I think, you know, it's not to say that you're not special. It's not to say that you're not unique. And it's really, you know, I I actually secretly believe every entrepreneur I've ever worked with is a unicorn, but I don't want us to adopt that belief because here's what happens. As soon as we feel like we are the only person who can do anything in our business, that becomes the biggest constraint to growth. And I look, you know, I, I, I have this perspective in the entrepreneurial world where I know a lot of people close and personal. And I've got a lot of, like you said, a lot of people who call me when something's going wrong. And I see people who have these massive amounts of talent, but there's not, they're not willing to say, I'm not the right person to do this. They're not willing to say, I don't need to do this. And they stay in that place of significance through having to do the same thing over and over again. And that's a really uncomfortable place to be. Like I want entrepreneurs to feel significance because of the change they're making in the world, not the day-to-day work that they're doing. Yeah. And so for so many of us, it's, it's the admission that, okay, maybe somebody can do this. And then what happens 99% of the time is when I've worked with somebody who has that really hard time of letting go of that thing, somebody else starts doing it. And a lot of times they do it better. Yes. I've experienced that so many times. Yes. (laughs) And then that's like one of the most magical things that can happen as an entrepreneur. And by the way, it's threatening. I just want to make it very clear for everyone who's like thinking about this. If you're feeling body reactions, just hearing us talk about this, if you're like, oh, I don't think I could do that. You know, I, I had a company prior to the company I'm running now where Katie and I built it out of bankruptcy. And what I did in that organization was I created the content and then I went out and spoke. And for the first year and a half, I was the only speaker for that company. And I kept thinking like, there's no way somebody else can do this the way I do it. And then I finally got to the point where the company was growing so fast, I was really forced to get help. And I remember our first speaker was a guy named Tony Martinez, who recently bought the brand from us and now is like growing that business again. And 
I remember training Tony and we went through this really long training process and he came out to events with me and watched me speak. And then he taught half of an event. And then I remember sending him out on his first event. And it was so funny because I was getting like 4.5 to 4.8 on my events is like, we, we would ask people scale one to five, how good was the event? And the averages were always in the high fours. And within like the third event, Tony taught, he got up five. Nobody <laughs> ever gotten a five, like where everybody said five. And so here it was like, I don't even know if I can do this. And then Tony did it better than I did, like got better scores than I had ever gotten. And in all honesty, like to be candid in the very beginning of that moment where I saw it, I was frustrated. Yeah. Like, oh man, like what happened? Like, why was I, you know, and then I realized like, he's focusing on one thing right now. He's only focusing on going out and delivering this. And he's got so much time and there's not all the pressure of running the business. And even for me who coaches this stuff, it was this, this like reinforcement of, okay, like, you know, we are not unicorns. Even on the thing that we think we're the absolute best in the world at, the best in our company at, we can always go out there and get help. And most of the time, they're going to reflect back to us that, hey, you needed to do this sooner. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And it kind of like threatens your, you have to become another, a new person when you go through those phases because it's like, okay, that's what I was the best at and spend all this time doing. And now <laughs> I have to go find something else to do. <laughs> well, to you know, it's interesting, Emily. That's, I've had this conversation so many times recently with people where we derive our significance as entrepreneurs a lot of the times by how much work we do. Totally. Yes. By how many hours, you know, by how, how much, how hard are we working? How hard is it for us? How difficult is it? And when I look at the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, they have made the shift from significance from how much work they do to significance from how much output there is in the world that they're guiding mm -hmm. and to significance of how much, how much effect they're causing out there without doing the work. And, you know, it's this transition from <clears throat> feeling like you have to do everything to actually asking what's the minimum I can do so that this business still grows. Because if your days are getting tactically harder as an entrepreneur, you're building a house of cards. And here's why I say that. I remember sharing that with you the first time yeah. we ever met and you were like, I don't understand. Like, explain that to me. I'm, I'm not building <laughs> a house like of cards. Okay, look how hard I've worked on this. <laughs> And here's why, you know, if, if your business needs you on a daily basis, if, if there is tactically tactical things that you're adding to your plate every day, if you're doing more, if you're taking on more, there's periods of time where you have to do that. But we also have to do it with the realization that if I don't offload this, then I'm the biggest liability in the company. And so the way that you repair that house of cards is to say, okay, I need to start looking at what am I doing and how do I offload it? And how do I, how do I make it easier for me? Now this can be done methodically. It's not an all at once and right away. I think every entrepreneur I've worked with goes from, I don't want to give any of it up to now I want to do it all this Monday. And so, you know, that, that also can cause its own problems. But if you have a methodical way to do it, if you're willing to go through a process, if you're willing to do it one step at a time, that's how you truly build a business where it's not reliant on how many hours you're working and how productive you are. And I think for every entrepreneur, that's our dream. But then when we're confronted with that dream of having to give up that feeling of productivity, we fight against it. And yeah. so I think it's really, I, I appreciate you being as transparent as you are on this podcast. And, and when you share with people, because you really don't, you don't share the highlight reel. You, you share what those things are, but you also share the struggle in what it took to get there. And I think that's a conversation that just doesn't happen enough in our world. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. So I want to pivot just a little bit before we run out of time too. I want to be aware of your time. Um, let's talk about like what you do tell entrepreneurs to do when they are overwhelmed and struggling. Cause I think a lot of my audience, like myself included, I've gone through this and it's like, it's still not a hundred percent back to where I want it to be, but it, it feels like we have to work 10 times harder right now to get a very small result. It's there's a lot of overwhelm I'm seeing in, in a lot of businesses with like, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this platform? This strategy? There's too much information overload of what to do and people telling you this is the, the best thing and this is not a good thing. And also burnout. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs right now that I'm talking to are, are just like going through the motions and trying to make, you know, doing the same thing, hoping it gets better. That was me last year until I pivoted both my offers. And that was my learning lesson for me was like, I should have admitted it wasn't good sooner. Yeah. And if I would have done that, then I would have taken action sooner. But I stayed in this place of like, it'll just get better. It's the summer, it's this, it's whatever. And so I just kept doing the same thing. And then it went on for too, too long until I was forced to talk to my audience and then figure out a new plan. So you specifically told me to write down, I think it was everything that was making me uncomfortable and what I, you know, thought I should, you know, solutions or things, but you actually said, don't even go to the solutions. Yet. Go to the solutions. Of course I did. I was like, no, I have to have a plan. So when people come to you right now, I know you said you're having those conversations or like when we've had those conversations, what, what do you tell them? So, you know, when I look at overwhelm, so for, for my whole career, I've been coaching entrepreneurs out of overwhelm because they're, if, if you're an entrepreneur who's never felt the overwhelm of your business, it's coming. You will be there. And when I look at overwhelm, I think there's a lot that you can say about it, but it's actually a pretty simple equation. To me, overwhelm occurs in our lives as entrepreneurs. I think this is like this for the rest of the world, but I can speak for entrepreneurs that when we feel pressure and noise and we have an unknown outcome, that, that equates to overwhelm all the time. And just so everybody understands what, how, when I use pressure and noise, you know, I think as entrepreneurs, we we compartmentalize and we say like, oh, I'm, I'm having some challenges with my kids and, and there's some stuff in my house that's frustrating me and, and I'm talking to my spouse and they're not hearing me and the business is going on, but those aren't all combined. Those aren't all together. You know, those are, those are different pressures in different parts of my life. Well, the reality is pressure and noise anywhere for any reason creates pressure and noise everywhere else. You can't compartmentalize it. You're, you're in it, whether you're willing to admit it or not. And when we don't have, when we have an unknown outcome, when we don't know our next steps, when we don't know where we're going, we don't know how to solve it, that is where overwhelm comes from. And the solution to overwhelm is just as simple. To me, it's, I have two parts to it. It's you clarify today, and then you create a partially known outcome. You don't have to have the whole plan. You just need to know your next few steps. And then that will create massive momentum. And I have, I've sat down with entrepreneurs more than once, including you, in a, in a 30 or 40 or an hour long conversation and had them go from complete overwhelm to confidence, optimism, and a feeling of momentum. And, and here's the process that I shared with you and that I share with every entrepreneur. You know, when we're overwhelmed, oftentimes we're overwhelmed more in our mind than really what's going on in the world. And when we don't pull things out and when we're not clear about it, when we don't define what's happening, that level of overwhelm actually gets way higher because there, we, we don't really know everything that's happening. And, and until we clarify it, it's bigger than what it really is. And so by clarify today, what I always tell entrepreneurs to do is go for a walk. And there's some rules here. Like, I think you have to be on a walk for 20 minutes or more. Mm -hmm. So many times entrepreneurs like walk to the end of their driveway and go, oh, wait, I got it. And they run back in and start trying to do this. I'm like, no, go on a walk for 20 minutes or more. 
the bilateral stimulation, the, the space and time outside actually gives your, your brain time to process and then come back and write down everywhere that pressure and noise is coming from. And when I say everywhere, it's things like, you know, I'm not able to communicate with my spouse right now. I'm frustrated with my youngest daughter. I'm frustrated with my, my oldest kid, whatever it is. And then also like the light switch in my garage doesn't work like everything. Like what are the things that have bothered you in any way today? And then I remember, I think when you did this, I was like, you called me. I'm like, Emily, go for another walk. You need to yeah, do You that. did. <laughs> you're like, you're not there yet. <laughs> I was like, you, you, okay, you're not there yet because I'm still feeling the overwhelm. And what happens every time is if an entrepreneur is willing to commit to that process, it's simple. It's like two steps, go for a walk, come back and write down everything that's bothering you. And if you still feel overwhelmed, go for another walk, come back and write it all out again. And I remember the second time you called and you were like, okay, I think I've got it. Like, yeah. I'm see what you're talking about. I've got like a whole list of stuff in front of me, but here's what almost every time what an entrepreneur will say is like, it's not as bad as I thought. That is what I was just going to say is when I did that, I realized how much of like the panic of like, what if this and what if this and what if this was actually creating the overwhelm, which is all not true yet. Yeah. It, nothing has happened. Yeah. So it was very much of like, what if I lose everything? Like, I think it was the first time I just saw how fast things can change. And it freaked me out because I was like, oh shit, like I'm in this like way more than I realized. And so, but it was very much in my, in my head, like creating the panic almost that I was experiencing. Yeah. And it, it happens to every entrepreneur, you know, the day you go in business is the day you add this new fear to your life of going out of business. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people talk about this because, and I, I actually think most entrepreneurs, whether it's conscious, I believe most of it's less than conscious, aren't willing to face that that's one of the biggest fears you have the day you start making money in a business. It's like, there's this background feeling always of this could all go away tomorrow. Yeah. And when you're in a place of overwhelm, I think that as the entrepreneurial brain, you know, our brains look for deficit. Like we, we, you can't, you can't turn it off. Like we, we look for deficit. We look for deficit in the world around us. We look for deficit in what people are doing. We look for deficit in our industry. And what we do is we fill those deficit gaps and that's how we create value in the world. You know, we look for the challenges and we, we create value. But when you're in a place of overwhelm, when there's too many things going on in the mind that haven't been pulled out onto paper and haven't been clarified, like when I say clarify today, it's get it all down. What happens is that deficit mind runs in overdrive. Mm -hmm. And then you start having feelings like, what if I'm not the right person to do this? What if the yeah. business isn't really right? What if I should do something completely different? You know, and then, then that level of skepticism can bleed over to, well, what if I'm not in the right marriage? What if I didn't really want to have kids? Yeah. What if I don't really like this house? You know, I, what yes. if I don't like my yeah. car? And like everything in the world can start going into this mix of, I'm not comfortable with everything. Yeah. And what, what happens so consistently is when it all comes out onto a sheet of paper, two things happen. One, that, that primitive entrepreneurial deficit seeking mind calms down mm -hmm. because it's been heard, you know, and with the work that I've done personally and with the work that I've done with entrepreneurs, I think a lot of times that overactive deficit seeking mind is, is really driven by our inner child. It's driven by this immature part of us. That's like, everything's screwed. We're so much in trouble, you know, like yeah. we, we don't have the capability. We don't have the, you know, and it's like, it's a very protective part of us that says, shut it all down and like make all the noise go away. But when we can get it out on paper, the second thing that happens first, there's this like, okay, 
I, I can I can see what's really going on now. And then second, almost immediately, and this has always been the case with you, it's like, oh, I see a th- few things I could do right now. Yeah, and then I go do them tomorrow. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> you might do them. I do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think that experience for me also, like one of the mistakes that I'm seeing a lot of businesses make right now is they're saying things like, well, this worked a year ago or like this worked two years ago or this was my best month and I'm trying to replicate it again right now without being willing to make any changes or pivots or you know even change their offer or even adjust their ideal customer, like bigger changes. And I think that the reason that happens is they're not coming to terms and looking at all the things making them uncomfortable because that's what I was doing. I was ignoring it. I was covering it up. I wasn't talking about it. I was doing the same thing week after week. And until I did that, and then one of the outcomes, the solutions I had was go interview all of our customers. I was like, I don't know what else to do, but just to go talk to like 50 people and get some intel. And so from that then it catapulted like changing our offers and all the things but i was resistant to changing those things i wasn't even thinking of them and i was just like well it's got to get better like it was good and i and i'm seeing so many people make that mistake like coming to us and going i don't want to change this and i don't want to change this and i don't want to change this because it worked a year ago it's like this is not a year ago like things have changed drastically online and you and the sooner you can recognize that and get on a different path the better you're going to be off yeah yeah and i think you know, when I, when I, when I listen to you say that, like one of the things that comes up for me and I want every entrepreneur listening to hear this. And even if you work in an entrepreneurial company, I just consider you an entrepreneur an intrapreneur, but you still have a lot of these sensitivities. And the reality is the way we navigate the world is through the feelings we have in our body. The way we navigate the world is like how, how our intuition tells us to do something. That's just reality for entrepreneurs. You can use a ton of data and a ton of other things, but if you look at how most businesses are built, it's built out of a feeling, out of intuition, out of seeing something that other people don't see. And when we get to a place where we are so uncomfortable in how we're thinking that we're not feeling those things in our body. Like that's where we disassociate from the body and we spend all of our time in our head. Mm-hmm. And when we can get those things out on paper, when we can get clear, what happens is we create that mind body connection again. And your body is the antenna through which you make the right decisions. Yeah. And whenever an entrepreneur says like, Alex, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. I'm like, okay, well, let's get very still. And now let's gut check, test it. Like, is this, does this feel right in your body? Does this feel right for you? And if the answer is no, then let's work through the decision and really talk about it and get everything out on paper or out on a whiteboard. Now let's check it and see if it's right for you. And for us as entrepreneurs, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I make a hundred percent of my decisions with gut, but when there's a big decision, that's really the only way that I've seen entrepreneurs be successful is to be able to, to like offload that pressure, offload the noise, and then be able to make that decision. That's why I'm such an advocate for, for EMDR therapy. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm such a huge advocate for psychedelic therapy, because I think it's this accelerator to, to understanding where you're uncomfortable, to understanding your past, especially, um, you know, like what you did recently with MDMA therapy. I, you know, I think, I'm pretty sure I was the one who first started talking to you. Yeah, you were the first one who told me. Yes, you were. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and it's interesting talking to you today, Emily, because I'm like, oh, this will be the first time I've seen Emily since she did MDMA. It actually is. Yeah. Am I different? (laughs) You, You know what? Every entrepreneur always is. Yeah. Always. Like I feel a difference in the energetic. I'm so sensitive to the energetics of entrepreneurs that as soon as we lit, you lit up your camera, I'm like, oh, yeah, Emily yeah. definitely did MDMA. Yeah. <laughs> there's just this massive shift in like 
you know, I, I think the most important part about therapy, the most important part about, about doing psychedelics in the right way. Like I'm not talking about going out and partying with them. Those, right. That can actually make you kind of go backwards in a big way, but doing them in the right way is that we start to accept ourselves. Yeah. And we start to accept our history and we start to accept like what's really going on with us. And we start to actually say, okay, it's okay to admit where I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's okay to look back at this period of my life and say, man, there were some things that didn't really work there. And, you know, I think for us as entrepreneurs, you know, I think being aware of what trauma does to us is so important, but it's so hard to understand trauma. Like I, the majority of entrepreneurs, when I first bring up this conversation, yeah. they're like, but I've never had anything really bad happen to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, yeah. and I, I know so many other people who have it worse and they're traumatized, not me. They have trauma, not me. And, you know, the, the simplest way that I can explain trauma to an entrepreneur is when we are going through something in our lives where the pressure and noise is so high that we can't process all the emotions in the present, those emotions get stored in our body. Mm-hmm. And then that emotional level, that reactivity comes up in the future in a place where it really shouldn't be. Yeah. And so, you know, and that, that includes your childhood, that includes times in growing a business. And so by doing EMDR therapy, by going out and taking walks and writing down where you're uncomfortable by, by perhaps considering psychedelic therapy of some kind, like ketamine's legal, MDMA is a little bit still, you know, not, not fully legal, but, but it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but by doing those things, what happens is we process that trauma. Yeah. And in, I think EMDR therapy is incredible. If psychedelics are an accelerator, um, being really real with yourself is a massive accelerator. And when we're able to process that trauma, here's what happens. The reactivity in the moment starts calming down mm-hmm. and clarity in the moment goes way up. And we start to see opportunities rather than just seeing the overwhelm and rather than just reacting. And I think every entrepreneur I've ever worked with has had the experience of having a reaction in the moment that when they look back on, they're like, oh, I don't know where that reaction came from. Yeah. Oh, like I'm, I'm yelling at my kid and he's doing the thing he does every day. Or, you know, I'm in interaction with a restaurant and next thing I know, I'm, I'm like yelling at the waitress or I'm, I'm doing something yeah. somewhere that just doesn't, doesn't feel like it was the right reaction. Like I always tell entrepreneurs, if, if we bring too much energy to a situation to solve a problem, we become the problem. Mm-hmm. And so if, you, if you've ever been in that place where you're in a problem and then you become the problem because you brought so much energy to it that that becomes the focus, yeah. that is the expression of trauma. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And the more we process it, the less we have those moments. Yeah. And I think it's become like, unfortunately, I think it's become kind of cool in the entrepreneurial world to say, oh, I don't do therapy and I don't need any of that help. And mm-hmm. I can do this on my own. And, you know, I, I look at the world differently and I just sit down every day and I work and I, I put more time in than anybody else. And I would say that in and of itself, those beliefs are traumatic. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. Like yeah. And one thing I, I did a whole podcast on MDMA, but with that, like what just I was thinking as you were talking is I feel like I was able to actually see the trauma I had as a kid through a different lens of like, wow, that really sucked. And that was really hurtful and, and whatever. But also that's what made me who I am. And I'm so grateful for those situations and those things that happened because that gave me the grit to build my business, to do these things. And so it just gave me like awareness, but also you saw it through the lens of like, I wasn't mad about it. Whereas sometimes you're still very mad when you think about past traumas. And so for me, that was really helpful to see, 
okay, like that doesn't serve me anymore, but it made me who I am to be able to build what I have. So it was super cool. Yeah. What I hear you saying is, and, and my experience is specifically with MDMA therapy is that it allows you to see very challenging experiences in the past with a level of empathy you've never been able to have for yourself. Yes. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah. I remember, you know, when I, to give credit where credit's due, a really good friend of mine here in Austin and a brilliant entrepreneur, Mike Dillard, is the first person who introduced me to using psychedelics in a therapeutic way for entrepreneurship. And he asked me to come over to his house and sit down with him. And I remember when I went over to his house, this was years ago, he opened the door and I'm like, oh, dude, Mike's different. Like the same experience I just had when you signed on, but now I expect it. And I asked Mike, like, you know, what is it that this really does? And Mike has had the best definition that I, that I can share for specifically MDMA therapy. He said, it allows you to process trauma in your life through the empathy of like what God would see. Mm. God just accepts you and, and it's who you are. And that's, that, these are Mike's words, but they resonated so deeply for me. Yeah. And that was exactly my experience. I, I remember even halfway through, you know, I, I loved listening to your experience, Emily, but it was so, so relatable because halfway through for me, I remember being there and, and I had uh, somebody who, who does this a lot there for me. And my wife was there as well. And I was probably two hours into the process. And I remember like lifting up the eye mask and saying, okay, I'm seeing crazy traumatic stuff from my childhood that I have not thought of forever but it's not that bad. And, yeah. and it like, it's working. Just put the mask back. <laughs> like, that's what's supposed to happen. And out of that first session, I remember walking out and like so much of my life immediately made sense. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. And I was like, I'll never be the same person after this experience. Uh, yeah. No, there's too. a before and after for everybody. Yeah. But yeah. for me, it took three hours for anything to work. <laughs> That's because I'm, I was like, it's not working, trying to control every piece of it until finally I couldn't anymore. <laughs> it's so funny when I messaged you and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm a rapid processor and I have tons of trauma, so I have to take a ton. And then you message back and you're like, yeah, well, I took as much as you do. Yeah, I took the same <laughs> dose. My God. <laughs> because whenever I share with somebody, when, when, you know, there's a lot of friends of mine, tons of friends of mine who have now done MDMA therapy and they're huge advocates. And, you know, we we sometimes compare experiences and I'll say like how much did it take to get you to that place where it really started working and they'll share their dose and then I'll share mine and they're like holy crap are you kidding and so the fact that that you were by the way doesn't surprise me even for a minute that you and I it's why I've struggled with every I mean even EMDR like which is amazing I would sit there and hold those paddles and be like I experienced nothing like this doesn't work like I think I needed that level of what you called an accelerator. I needed that. Like nothing else was going to work to that level for me. And I've done all the things. And I was the person who was like, well, I don't have trauma. I had a great childhood. My parents took care of us. My mom was home with us. Like I'm fine. And yeah, it, it is exactly that. And I think it's so important to keep doing that work for me. That's what's going to push me through the harder times in business and, and make me a better mom and wife and be able to have the growth because I need to constantly evolve to that next person, that next level of a person. So it was totally life-changing for I'm me. I'm so proud of you for doing it, Emily. Yeah. I'm, I really am. I'm so, I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the people you work with. I'm excited for your family. But like for me, most importantly is, you know, I, I, I think you're one of the most extraordinary people on the planet. And there's a reason why you and I are such close friends. And I think that the, 
the catalyst of, of putting yourself in that situation is that you start to have empathy and a real realization of who you are. Mm -hmm. And you start to have acceptance of who you are. And it doesn't sound like a direct correlation to success, but as entrepreneurs, the more we accept who we are, the easier success really is. You know, I didn't share with anyone I was dyslexic until my mid thirties mm -hmm. and I used to hide it. And then I finally, when I shared it, it became this massive accelerator. Everybody around me was like, oh, okay, well we can work with this. And I had been hiding it and holding it in and not really having empathy for who I was. And it's just, that's a simple example, but like the more that we create self-acceptance, the more we create, like Derek, I'm going to sound super woo-woo, but the more we find those things about ourselves that we love, mm -hmm. the more we go out and really change the world and build the business we want and build the life we want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Before we, the last thing before we wrap up that it came to me a little earlier in the episode, but I want to say it because on that note of everybody who's feeling overwhelmed or looking at other businesses and comparing yourself and you feel like everything's broken. One thing I have said on the podcast and it's Alex's original idea and statement is your business is always broken and if things go well, it always will be. That I feel like is so important to keep in mind. And I found myself in the recent years training my leadership team that because you have to teach people like the goal is not for us to be 100% done and perfect. That's never the goal. The goal is not to say once we do X, Y, Z, then you can log off at five and have a life like that's it's always going to have struggles. And, and if you're not looking at those or if you're fighting against that and feeling like you're failing because you have these struggles or because you see somebody's highlight reel and it doesn't look like they have any struggles, you're just it's it's not an accurate picture. And so I always remember that saying, like anytime things feel overwhelmed or I'm overwhelmed or my team or it's like all these problems come up, you know, those weeks where it's like five fires all in, in one week, I just remind myself of that. So I want to kind of close with that because I think it's one of the most powerful things for people to keep in mind. And I find myself saying it and teaching my team it and remembering it all the time. Yeah, I always share with entrepreneurs, you know, the only business is perfect is the one that's closed. It has no complaints, no issues, no challenges, yeah. no cash flow pro problems. Like you literally have to shut a business down to create perfection yeah. because then you have no business problems. Outside of that, every business is always going to experience challenges. In fact, growth in business only comes through challenges. And if you're growing a business, you know, growth creates complexity and success creates deficit. And the faster we admit and accept that growth will always create complexity and success always creates deficit, then we stop trying to make things perfect and we become adaptable. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that stuck with you, Emily. I think it's, for me, it's, it's one of those things I tell myself all the time. It's hanging yeah. in the office. Yeah. And train, yeah. And train my team. And it's, yeah. it's a key piece. I think for a lot of people with what they're going through right now, remembering that it will help you make progress versus stay in the same place where you are. Well, thank you so much, Alex. This was so much fun. I feel like we could talk for hours and we got to hang out. It's been a while since I've seen you in person. <laughs> so thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge with my audience. Well, thank you for, for the opportunity, Emily, and thank you for your friendship and um, for the relationship that we've had over the years. It's been one that I think 
you know, I, I not think I know I've gotten just as much out of a relationship as you have and the reflection and the transparency with which you're willing to share. And when you, when I've had a hard time and you've been willing to listen to me, I just want to, I want to thank you for that, honor you for that. And let's, um, let's connect after this and figure out what the next time we're going to see each other. It sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Not For Lazy Marketers podcast. Each episode is brought to you from the trenches of Hirsch Marketing, where our team of industry-leading copywriters, marketing strategists, ads managers, graphic designers, and tech wizards use their unique genius to help our clients profit more and scale faster than they ever dreamed possible. Want to see what happens when we unleash our experts on your brand? Head over to helpmystrategy.com and apply for a free strategy audit with Team Hirsch. No matter where you are in your marketing journey, we have solutions to take you to the next level and beyond. So apply for your call today and discover what marketing magic we can create for you. Thank you.